would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom. Cron. Week in review. Listen closely. Zoom. Cron. It's gonna help you. Then think for yourself. What the hell happens? I'm gonna tell you. From my in perspective. In the Zoom Cron. In Zoom Cron. Week, week in, in review. review. Right now. Here's an independent journalist, Travis. William, William Skink Matier. And we are recording another episode of Zoom Cron Week in Review. Joining me this week is Ali. Hi. I'm very glad that you are joining me because I need definite help getting the energy levels up because um, while you did help with the Shanty Shack meth then cleanup today, um, it was a two-day effort, and we're going to be talking about that. Yes, it was a lot of effort on your part to clean up a lot of stuff, and it's been a really crazy week. It's been a very crazy long week. Some of the things we're going to be discussing um, will probably be written about at ZoomCron in the upcoming week. There's a lot of ongoing issues that we are going to be discussing, like the writ of mandamus issue in Mineral County. Yes. There, there is a... Uh, a court hearing that, that it was kind of like a double header for you and I. We saw part of it in Mineral County, and then we drove to Missoula and saw the second part in Missoula. It was a, a long hearing and a long day. I, I especially think for a particular judge who oh, was assigned goodness. that case. You know, my heart goes out to judges and sheriff deputies. I talked to three Missoula County sheriff deputies this morning Volitionally? at the good food store. Yeah, I did. I, I actually chose to initiate oh. the conversation, and it was great. Um, I talked to university police. Again, on my own volition today. So, so much is happening, but I want to begin with the Dalai Lama. Oh, okay. I do, because I wrote about the Dalai Lama. I wrote about Buddhism, and the, the title of the post is, Let's Meditate on How Messed Up People Espousing Eastern Religious Philosophies Can Be. Part of it is, you know, some of my posts have been critical of local Christian efforts to do things like help uh, victims of human trafficking, for example, so I wanted to, as an equal opportunity critic of religious philosophies, I want to take some time to say, hey, Dalai Lama, is it true that creeps can espouse Eastern religious philosophies? And the Dalai Lama seemed to provide an example to kind of lead into that. But I actually don't really care too much about this post. There's so much to talk about. Um, I think it is kind of interesting that the, the Buddha Garden of a thousand Buddhas up north from Missoula is it was started by Linda Pritzker. So the Pritzker family, pretty influential, kind of like billionaire influential. Yeah. Um, one of the secretaries under Obama, influential. From Illinois. Governor of Illinois, influential. Yeah. yeah. So Pritzker is something to be aware of. But the idea that this post kind of touches on is that you got this surface level thing and then you scratch beneath the surface. What is below the surface? The only thing I would add to that is I think universally across belief systems, there are people who choose to perpetrate crimes. Absolutely. And so we take opportunity as examples in our community 
uh, provide those opportunities. We'll take a look at that. But if you want to go to zoomcron.com, you can take a look at that first post of the week. That's April 17th. A lot of times the Monday posts are less local um, because I'm kind of scraping together other things, getting ready to respond to local headlines. Sometimes I myself am trying to make local headlines. I was hoping the Kaiman folks were going to show up on Saturday during Earth Day, but they didn't. Um, again, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, so let's let's try and stay focused, shall we? Sounds I'm, good. I'm saying that to myself. Okay. Because I'm the only one derailing this conversation. So the second post of the week, I, I see a picture of Dave Strohmeyer in a train, so I'm getting excited. Um, I'm scrolling up to the, the top to the title, which is Pushing Density and Passenger Rail in a Community Burned Out by Change. Before I get into this post, I want to just put out a question, and this is one I'll have to answer at some point. What is a quorum for a county commissioner meeting? Because do you need two out of three? Is that the quorum? I would think so. Yep. They haven't been able to manage that the last two weeks. So I don't know if Dave is really too busy with trains. And is Josh someone out Slotnick of town? Is, it's, it's a possibility, but I've been really eager to provide public comment. Have not had the opportunity. Instead, we're just going to have to keep writing posts and talking about them. So let's see. What was this post even about? Hmm. Should I just maybe start reading it? Yeah. Okay. Read a snippet. If our elected city county leaders continue to prioritize things like density and passenger rail over first responder capacity amidst burnout, the tourism economy everyone is pinning their future hopes on will suffer. That is why I've tailored my comment in support of SB 523 to emphasize what's happening across Montana with drug addiction and the resulting spike in violent crime. That's right. This was in, in preparation for the last push for SB 523 in Helena. That's right. That's how the week began. Um, continuing on, I've referred to the various development plans for Missoula, which all promote density as sardine can housing plans. Here is our placeholder mayor lamenting how the neighborhoods in the higher end of the socioeconomic spectrum are unfairly protected from the sardine can plan by single family housing zoning. So sad. So this is from an article, and this is actually important. This will be kind of leading into what we talk about. There is a pattern of segregation by race and ethnicity that is related to the city's underlying zoning regulations, explained Jamon Kimmel of Cascadia Partners. Quote, more diverse neighborhoods are in the higher density zoning, while exclusive single dwelling and duplex zones are significantly more likely to be mapped to less diverse neighborhoods. <gasps> Kimmel's firm has been hired by the city to provide an in-depth report on inequity in the city's land use efforts as city planners prepare to undertake a comprehensive code reform process for the next few years. Sounds like something to fight for the next few years. The presentation was blunt in its assessment. Zoning that allows only single dwelling and duplex homes covers 64% of Missoula's land area. Oh, but only 30% of Missoula households can afford homes in those areas, according to census data. Meanwhile, multi-dwelling and commercial zones represent just 36% of the city, but 60% of households can afford to live there. Hmm. hmm. Yes. So then this is me continuing. Before I get to this consulting firm peddling this data, here's more from the article about the gentrification happening in the poor neighbor, neighborhoods across Missoula. So this is back to the article. Missoula's zoning concentrates new housing development in lower income neighborhoods, he said, and this increases the risk of displacement and gentrification. He said his research shows that neighborhoods along West Broadway and in the Franklin to the Fort neighborhoods 
have already experienced early gentrification and have high rates of residents vulnerable to displacement because of a hot housing market. Much of the west side and north side neighborhoods are currently relatively affordable, he said, whatever the fuck relatively affordable means, but are vulnerable to gentrification. According to census data, those areas have lower incomes, higher rates of renters, and higher rates of BIPOC residents. I have a hard, anytime I see BIPOC, I just have a hard time taking things seriously. I'm sorry. That's my problem. This placement occurs when rising rents force someone to move out of the neighborhood they are living in, and gentrification happens when displacement occurs at higher rates. Generally, it means a neighborhood goes from being lower income and more diverse to higher income with a larger white population. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I continue. So the irony here is the fact tax increment financing is also a contributing factor to the increasing rents displacing people across the valley, but you won't hear anyone in local government claim TIF reform is needed. <clears throat> Instead, their plan is to pray SB 523 fails because they want to control the poors by controlling the new type of housing being developed for them, which is workforce housing. Have you ever wanted to go to Wikipedia, Ali, and see what they call workforce housing? I was actually considering what the definition of workforce housing means. It can mean anything, kind of, but according to Wikipedia, workforce housing is a term. You know, it's a term that is increasingly used by planners, government, and organizers, organizations concerned with housing policy or advocacy. It is gaining cachet with realtors. Ooh, that sounds fun. It it, it has some cachet now with realtors, developers, and lenders. Workforce housing can refer to any form of housing, (laughs) including ownership of single or multifamily homes, as well as occupation of rental units. Workforce housing is generally understood to mean affordable housing for households with earned income that is insufficient to secure quality housing in reasonable proximity to the workplace. So that was my understanding that workforce housing equals affordable housing in the state of Montana. Yeah, um, and other factors, um, being close to the workplace or being close to maybe passenger rail run by a, a train operated by Dave Strohmeyer with his little hat. Doot, doot. Um, I thought he yeah. said he wasn't going to be a conductor. Yeah, you're right. I thought Gidge was going to be the conductor. I think the three-legged dog would do better. Um, but workforce housing is really any form of housing that they want it to be. So it's a squishy term. Um, but we go on, and I, I took a nice little screenshot of this white man, since you know, white people of of means are definitely you want to make sure that they don't feel too sort of like safe in their housing. You know, that you want to make sure you can push some multi-unit housing in there. Michael McEwey, McElwey, McEwey, he's a strategic partner. I like this guy because um, he's done some public-private partnerships, uh, I think, in Portland. So here's someone actually bringing some Portland things to Missoula. So take a look at him. Looks like fun. Continuing on, if pushing workforce housing density doesn't work out, maybe the service sector employees that wealth needs around to service them thus validating their elevated social status, can commute by passenger rail to their barista jobs. To help with that effort, here's the county commissioner obsessed with reviving passenger rail across Montana. I feel like I need to remind you that I'm not 100% opposed to passenger rail. I, If it paves the way for the Hyperloop, then I am all for it. And I, I appreciate um, different perspectives. And, you know, passenger rail definitely sounds... So here, here's the thing. I understand desperation and how that leads to opportunity. That's part of my TIF. Travis's impact fund is going to clean meth dens because, hey, 
opportunity, right? Because there's desperation. There's so a need. I'm having good conversations because there's people desperate enough to talk to me. So local communities that are desperate for economic development, they're like, geez, please bring them by train. Send in the train. Bring them by parachutes. I mean, they would probably support a parachute tourism program to like parachute tourists into Mineral County, maybe, or other places. Uh, Paragliding. Is Would that be a punishment? Like, is there... in? <laughs> Is, instead of just a, a good old fashioned prison term, could someone be? You can like, well, it could be like a reality show. You parachute to Mineral them in County and see if they can make it out. I I have a Hunger Games type style uh, thing that I would like to present later on uh, regarding Mineral County. Yeah, let that so let that simmer on the I back will. burner, um, and let's go to to Dave. Unfortunately, Dave Strohmeyer can't do this train thing all by himself, which is why he was recently. Oh, that's right, he was recently panhandling officials in Helena for money. I almost forgot. So much has happened this week. I'm glad I write about it so I can remind myself what's going on. So here's from the article, and this is Dave panhandling Helena for train money. The Federal Railroad Administration is, is expected to release a short list of passenger rail lines recommended for restoration in July. And the Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority is all hands on deck. That's a quote. According to Authority Chairman and Missoula County Commissioner Dave Strohmeyer, to ensure a southern Montana line is on it. So on my, it. my hands were actually on meth dirt earlier. On so it, I, some of my hands touched the meth dirt. I had gloves on. Okay. But I'm just trying to say in, in terms of be all hands being on deck, my hands are not being included in Dave Strohmeyer's inclusive language. Okay. Moving on the authority, which Strohmeyer referred to as a subdivision of state government. Good Lord requested an annual contribution of $4,000 and a letter of support from the city of Helena and an email addressed to the Helena mayor and city commission Thursday. So they want, they want four, four grand and a letter saying it's all good. The letter signed by, <clears throat> excuse me, the letter signed by Strohmeyer states that the authority has assembled a vibrant rural urban coalition, including 20 is the number now 20 Montana counties and many cities, towns, tribes, and business is working together to restore passenger rail service across Southern Montana. Pretty cool, huh? It could be. I think there's a lot of obvious concerns about that cost being not the least of them. I'll continue and then we'll move on to the next post here. Um, yes, for Dave Strohmeyer, the effort to revive passenger rail represents an all hands on deck effort because there's nothing else more pressing for this county commissioner to deal with. So it's a good thing Missoula isn't becoming a lawless dystopia with a corrupt sheriff's office, a negligent county attorney's office presiding over this dumpster, dumpster fire. I know that was what you wanted to that do. That was my idea. Because that might require Dave to address a more socially entrenched problem, a problem that could challenge his idiotic liberal ideology. The harsh reality our elected leaders are trying to ignore is a spiraling drug crisis, totally overwhelming our first responders. But those with the job of responding cannot ignore what's happening. All they can do, at least the ones who haven't committed suicide, is hope that healing from the trauma they've experienced is possible. Oh, that's right. The article, this article features Travis Gribble a retired law enforcement official who moved to Phillipsburg, Montana when the stress and trauma from his work got too much for him. So this is sort of like everyone's wanting some money. Everyone's asking for money because money is needed, right? And Gribble is talking about what law enforcement need to deal with trauma. And so Gribble plans to work with Montana legis um, legislation. I think they're supposed to be legislators to allocate more funding for mental health support in law enforcement agencies. They definitely need it, and this guy is good because he's one of those um, dudes that took a while to acknowledge he needed he needed to process the stuff himself. 
Yes. And so he is retired, and he speaks the language of law enforcement. That's really good. So not a bad thing. Uh, I'm just including it in the different things that I guess our billion and a half in the state surplus could go and benefit as our um, whatever that's called. The legislators, what do they do in the 90 days? They legislate? Yeah, they have that like, what's that time period called? Transmittal? Something like that. Moving on. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep sipping coffee because okay. I, I am tired. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let's just kind of scan the rest of this post and see if there's anything else worth highlighting. Um, nah. Um, let's see. Oh, floating. I did. I mentioned floating. That's right. So I, I added if um, there was funding available for things like uh, beneficial recovery focused stuff that floating in a sensory deprivation tank the way that I need to do again for the fourth time because I've, I've done it three times and it's awesome. That would be something too. That would be good. So I included that in that post. Okay. Good Lord. Let's move on. Anything else to add before we do? I think we're good. Okay. So Helena, Helena, Helena. Um, you were not able to join me on this interesting trip to Helena, and you missed Brent Campbell's face. And I'm sorry that you couldn't see that live, but I took, some, okay. I took some pictures for you. I appreciate that. So you could see the different um, the different stages of grief as expressed by Brent Campbell, the sort of denial, the anger, um, sadness. So intestinal fortitude is something that, that Brent Campbell, once upon a time, I think he had. Um, and <laughs> oh man, so funny. What I would, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of looking at his face, but, um, I'm, I'm trying to get into the post. I should just read it instead of trying to like pick from it. Okay. And you have to kind of go to zoomcron.com to see what, what some of this is visual, you know, and this, it's tough because it's a podcast audio. Yeah. Does it look like this guy has intestinal fortitude? Does it Ellie? I don't really know what you mean by that. Okay. No, it certainly doesn't. And this is his term. That's, yeah, that's. Oh, he, that's right. Yeah. Here's the quote. No, it certainly doesn't. And maybe that's because SB 523 has a chance of becoming law, sadly. And now it doesn't. Thus limiting what people like Brent Campbell can get done with your public money. Before getting to the legislative action, here's Campbell. During better days when stimulus money helped his company buy the building where they currently reside at Look at that. One, 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 one wow. East Broadway from the link in a two. So this is from a, a article that goes back a couple years in a two point million, two point million dollar deal spurred by stimulus dollars and quote intestinal fortitude <laughs> planning firm WGM group opens next Monday in a new location and one of its very own. Quote, it's a big testament to fit to our faith in the community and belief that Missoula is going to continue to prosper said president and chief executive officer, Brent Campbell. Did you know he's no longer chief executive officer? I did not. I heard that through the grapevine, something I need to look into. He sees the move to 1111 East Broadway as a glimmer of good news for a community beset with announcements of the closure of the Smurfit Stone Container Corp, Pulp Mill, and Macy's Downtown Department Store. That is just, so that is fascinating. So he's getting $2. million in stimulus money. Back when Smurf Stone is closing. 2.8 million. 2.8 million. What did I say? 2.0 million. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I can <laughs> Thank you for catching. Drink a little bit more coffee. Thank you for catching that. Um 
And it's really interesting because part of the conversation now about the river, so the Clark Fork has been um, included in a uh, number or uh, top 10 most endangered rivers in, in the country. That's saying something. So the Clark Fork is considered number five on the list. Wow. And the reason is, the only reason, the reason and only reason talked about is Smurfit Stone and the the berms that are keeping some pretty toxic water from going into the Clark Fork. So I remember the Smurfit Stone closure so, yeah, years I mean, ago. Um, it actually helped our air in the valley, which is interesting. But now it's it's providing a a pretty major threat. My frustration, and it's kind of interesting because WGM Group, I before this article came out, I've been outreaching them because the cleanup that has been happening the last yeah. couple of days, I was hoping to get their help. And they did their cleanup on Thursday. Right. So I don't know if they changed it, if it was going to be Saturday. It, it was Thursday scheduled. Well, well and now I realize that the, the Clark Fork Coalition, their cleanup is this wide range of days. And so it actually started on, I think, Thursday then. And it's going to um, wrap up on the 26th. Yeah. So there's actually a pretty big window of cleanup this this go around. So it's, it's actually very interesting because um, WGM has definitely been one of the, I think, one of the louder supporters of the use of tax increment financing in the community. Certainly Brent was uh, there su supporting the killing of the bill. Supporting the opposition? Yes. He was opposing the bill. He was supporting killing it. Okay. Um, it's going to be very confusing to listen <laughs> to me, and I apologize for anyone out there. But um, he had an intestinal fortitude back then when stimulus money was going his way. It looked like he needed some intestinal fortitude. It, like, because I think in terms of what I was ma making my public comments about in terms of addiction, he might, may have been in some withdrawal, like early withdrawals, like, like his body may have been sort of pre clenching because of a sense of like, Oh my God, that money might be get taken away. Now oh. in fairness, it's a deathly boring committee meeting. Am I right? Well, see, I mean, I'm making comments. So no. It's pretty exciting. But beside that, it's relatively dry. Well, no, Brian was making comment. Pretty exciting. Um, Chris making comments. So one of the things about their sadness. But there were like a lot of people there. There were. There were a lot of comments being made. So Absolutely. I don't, I, in fairness to him, I really don't know when these pictures were taken. So if it was after like the 50th comment, that might be different than the second or third that is so kind of you. Yeah. You, I try you, to be you generous. Are, you are being, being very generous. Um, so anyways, one of the things that I'm, I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. One of the things that, that started to become, become pretty obvious is that the opponents were going to put forward this idea that everyone showing up was from Missoula. It's only a Missoula problem. We should not be going to the state to fix a tool that everyone else in the state is using appropriately. Right. That was going to be a big part of the opponent's argument. It worked. So it was pretty successful. And you can start seeing that in the Missoulian article. So I'd like to also thank David Erickson, the reporter for the Missoulian. Um, good job. You really did a great, great job um, helping frame successfully for the opponents what was going on in Helena. So it's good when Lee Enterprises the slow clap. is facing so many cuts that some of the some of the, the key propagandists who actually I saw he was pretty drunk at the Union Club um, over over the past week. I can't remember what day it was. It was Saturday. How do you know? 
I was walking around late. It was I was taking a nice long hour and a half walk around downtown, and I, I popped in the Union Club and I saw him. Anyways, um, he helped frame this, and I'm going to read this little quote from the Missoulian, okay? Because so many Missoula-based business owners and elected officials spoke both for and against the bill, one committee member called the hearing the Missoula Show. The committee chair, um, Representative Paul Fielder from Thompson Falls, jokingly congratulated Hertz on bringing people together, which he actually did, and said that 82 public commenters might be a record. The committee took no action on the bill, and Hertz said he would fine-tune the bill with some amendments. So none of that worked. SB 523 ultimately got tabled, and then it's, there was, I think, talk of blasting it to the floor, and it did not work. So that kind of is, is a bit of a wrap-up for what's going on in Helena. Um, look at that cow. Yes. Should, should we take a quick pause? Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, we're going to take a quick pause, and we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and the energy level is wavering between caffeine working and caffeine not being adequate to keep me focused, but you are helping me stay on track, Allie. So, All right, thank you. And now we're getting into an area where you're going to really need to be helping me understand what the heck is going on. Okay. Um, we're not going to get quite into the shenanigans of court yet, but you did see that picture of the cow, and that means we're getting close. It made me happy. I Good. like shaggy cows. Um, and we've learned how much the shaggy cows like cannabis, but we're not there yet. Hey, don't get ahead of yourself. I'm trying not to. We have to talk about jail first. And the, the cows aren't in jail. People are. And if you think about jail like a business, you, you, gotta, you think about it like real estate. So sometimes you got people that are willing to pay higher rent. You know, the state isn't paying the Missoula County uh, Sheriff's Office that runs the jail as much money per night per inmate as maybe they they should in terms of the going rate we don't have we don't have market rate really applying to the jail real estate kind of strange when you're saying going rate for prison cells it is well and, and actually this is not something in this post but one of the things that legislators are working on is like an eight million dollar bill to send like 120 inmates to Arizona from Montana to uh, core civic facility hmm. detention facility we should look into that at some point okay the business of jail and the aborted mayoral candidacy of former missoula county sheriff tj mcdermott is the title of the post and that's because our former sheriff tj mcdermott appears not to be running for mayor anymore well it's a little too soon to say that for sure but at least the opening deadline which was april 20th i believe well according, he had not yet filed according to sirs and someone in helena who i'm not going to get into but got way too close to me and had terrible terrible breath um according to those two sources it appears his current status closed according to um his 2023 mayoral bid so one of the strange things, if this is true, it's like, it's like his candidacy be began and ended without anyone in the community really knowing anything about it. Unless you're on Twitter following Daniel Carlino. Um, Daniel right. Carlino's followers are aware. Um, Zoom Quran readers definitely know what's going on in terms of some of the candidates. Sure. Uh, Sean McCoy, another person sort of come and gone. But 
I think Sean McCoy's candidacy was at least mentioned as being ended by Brett Serbin yes. of the Missoulian. But not to be confused with Sean, is it Nope? Sean Knopp? Yep, Knopp. correct. So I think Sean Knopp will be one of our mayoral candidates. And Sean Knopp, he works at um, Montana Windows and Glass. Okay. Right across from the Pavarello Center. And so when we get into the cleanup conversation, that might be something interesting to mention. But going into what I was kind of curious about, this this campaign that, that maybe started and then maybe my choice of words is a little inflammatory. Oh, I can't even speak. Coffee, where are you? Um, but the, the the name, there was an email, and I was just kind of curious, is Abby Lee Cook, this professional uh, political professional events coordinator, I wonder if she was working with TJ's campaign, because I think she's from New York, and I'm just curious, you know, someone that maybe wants to be considered a local fiscal conservative of the of the budget of the sheriff's office, trying to transform from a Democrat into a Republican. I don't know. Maybe Abby Lee Cook was part of the campaign. Maybe not. We just don't know much about McDermott's campaign. So I don't know the answer to this. I really don't because I, like everyone else who's just viewing who decides to run for mayor or not, I don't, I'm not really personally familiar with a whole lot of them in depth. And so with TJ's perspective bid, it's a very strange alignment. We have a Democrat who has run as a Democrat before, largely supported by conservatives, mm -hmm. possibly because there will not be a tried and true Republican candidate. Maybe Sean Knopp, Knopp. is that. But I, I'm very curious about the alignments the political alignments going on right now? Well, Republicans in at least Missoula County continue to be very, very dumb in supporting stupid things that are now dead. And one of the stupid things they were supporting is a jungle primary. Right. That has been tabled. That, that was only for the U.S. Senate race, though, correct? Exactly. Part of the stupidity is so narrowly tailoring this bill. It was an obvious, obvious attack against John Tester, who's going to be running. And, and, and it, it, was so so, explain, it was so obvious. Explain what a jungle primary is for those who don't understand. Oh, man, that's that's a tall order, considering I just heard about this. And like when Jane texted about this jungle primary, I, I thought she was, so I was like, what is she talking the about? The goal is to get third party candidates out. Right. So it's just like the top two. Right. Right. Vote getters. And so the reason why that matters in a case with U.S. Senator Tester is because he has historically been known to uh, his races draw libertarian candidates that tend to sway the vote one way or the other. And so um, libertarian candidates, by all means, have the right to run. But in a jungle primary, they'd be effectively eliminated. Well, so the problem with someone who is aged and uh, proven failure by the name of Vondine Kapratsky. What's her name? Kapratsky? I believe you're referring to Vondine Kapetsky. Kapetsky. Okay. Not, not per Krapsky. So because of the failed leadership, there is such a gigantic, immense opportunity that Republicans have to seize on frustration and fiscal irresponsibility they are not doing so at the state level. Um, tax increment financing is going to be continued to be allowed to be abused. 
And part of that is is political. It's a political tool in, in some ways, the way it's used in Missoula. But you're pretending conservatives actually are fiscally conservative. Well, actually, I'm just I'm actually pretending they want to win elections. And if they want to actually go toe to toe against John Tester, maybe they can start seizing some opportunities that actually do exist for um, even, you know, the disaffected citizens of Missoula. They can make gains in a stronghold of, of this like liberal mentality can, because it's it's imploding like literally the, the liberal mentality in places like san francisco and missoula like it is imploding their policies are such proven failures i maybe it's just the meth dirt talking here but um i think there is a huge opportunity that's being missed by old school republicans that don't want to actually get down and dirty and work at you know like and I think that's extraordinarily optimistic of you. Can I put on a hat of cynicism for a moment? Oh, please do. <laughs> so what experience I've had, limited or otherwise, with party politics, Montana Republicans do not give a crap about Missoula. And so by virtue of even being from Missoula, pretending, like, caring about Missoula, anything like that, the rest of the entire state of Montana does not care. So ideally, what you're saying is 100% true. Uh, they People should care because I think like what happens in Missoula is some sort of barometer for what goes on in the rest of the state. But I can tell you that is not how Missoula is seen from a party <laughs> perspective statewide. No, and uh, no, I, I, I guarantee that the accuracy of that is, um, is much, much better than what my sort of... Um, Optimism, which is weird to say, because I don't yeah, have optimism. Yeah, look at you but, being optimistic. Well, I just know that there are people that could take local, uh, they could take a sort of local stand and be more assertive, and actually show that there could be a a second valid party because we've had a one party community for for way too long, yeah. <clears throat> and so maybe we'll we'll see what happens. But but that's somewhat <laughs> what we're talking about with even TJ's candidacy and such. There's this melding of political ideologies, and I, and what I'm curious about is what is this centering around? I don't think it's completely. It seems to me there's like a law enforcement candidate, and there is some sort of fiscal responsibility candidate. So what those are traditionally conservative type values, I guess I would say. So order versus chaos. Right. So you think that's that's it. And so the current structure in your estimation is chaotic? Absolute chaos. Okay. And so, yeah, so there's people wanting to rein in. I, I hear in the heartbeat of Missoula a strain of people who want Missoula of yesterday. They want Missoula as it once was when they first came here, lived here, grew up here. Um, so, so there is, yeah, there's definitely a, t a tension between the old and the new and where this place is going for sure. It's going to be interesting in, in terms of the business of the jail, which, um, part of what this post was looking at was, um, cause real estate can be seen as, as housing, which, you know, duplex or your, your short-term housing in a detention facility. And when you're in a detention facility, you still get some healthcare, Right. Well, there's a monopoly of sorts by WellPath, and it was announced that WellPath is going to be increasing by roughly $540,000 <clears> their contract with, with the county, with Missoula County. 
That's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of money. Um, in in addition to the idea of jail care or what's happening within the detention facility, um, <clears throat> I wanted to also kind of set the stage for having a little reminder out there for readers of Zoomcron about the the uh, let's see what was this was that the parody pay issue no. Oh yeah, the the inconsistency between um, the cost that the the state DOC pays the d- local detention facility <clears throat> for a night of stay in in the jail. So yes, yeah. I think there's an article there. Should I read that? Sure. I'm worried it's actually not what I think it is because I okay. can't barely see <clears throat> what I'm what I'm looking at. So um, I'm going to just kind of move forward a little bit because I want to thank Mike Toth for opening the jail in Mineral County. It used to be closed for a little bit. So what did they do without a jail? They they sent people, I would imagine, to Missoula. Okay. Yeah. There's only 4,000 people in that county. I feel like the need to say that over and over and over again because for for that small number of people, there seems to be an inordinate number of issues. <clears throat> well, Mike Toth, you know, he got the jail open. At least he was taking credit for it. And it's interesting because um, as I was writing this post, I was thinking, I've been just doing some very interesting things like knocking on doors, talking to deputy county attorneys who answer those doors. And then I am making phone calls to elite investigations. Mikey answered the phone and it was great chatting with Mikey. That, that, that was on background mostly. And so um, one of the main things that I wanted to get a sense of from Mike Toth when I gave him a call is if he would be available if needed um, for the court, for Judge Vanetta in the writ of mandamus process. Because according to Mike Toth, he wasn't aware that he might be needed. And I assured him that was a possibility. So <clears throat> all the other stuff we talked about, we're just going to keep that on background. But Mike Toth did take uh, a bit of credit for getting the jail reopened in Mineral County. And I made a point to say that um, allows now p- more people to die in that jail since they've had two deaths since reopening. Kind of alarming. So Really, when you're running a business, you try and not kill your customers, but jail is a little bit of a different creature. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end of this post, I buried the lead. I don't think you're supposed to do that in real journalism. Right. But I'm a gonzo journalist of sorts, and that means when I'm biking over to your place, actually, and I was going to be a little bit late, and then I was a little bit more late, and I apologize for being late, but it's because I, I knocked on Wally Congdon's door. i was trying to match judge vanetta's sigh and i think you did you did it that was that was a judicial sigh i think um if i really really want to make that sigh a ringtone if if, you would be missing a lot of calls (laughs) just talk to the fbi they got recordings um bearing the lead means that when i knocked on the door um i had a chance to talk to wally about a couple different things. For the record, I don't condone any of this. I know you don't. And you you did more than a just sigh when I first told you that I knocked on Wally's door and you're like But the reason the reason okay, this is this is so interesting. It all ties together, Allie. It's all connected. I know. I was driving home from the Capitol, from Helena. Okay. And I'm my uh my my partner um that was riding shotgun, I pointed out Wally's herd of Highlander cows. Mm-hmm. Okay. His cows were in the road. 
they were in the road, not the interstate, not the highway. Okay. There was a, a kind of a shoddy looking fence between the interstate and the frontage road. And then there's, there's Wally's field where the cows take, you know, bathe in ponds and, and eat cannabis and napweed. And we're going to get to that because this becomes so weirdly significant. I, uh, yeah, it's so, so Allie, let me tell you the story. Okay. Cows possible risk vehicular injury vehicular yeah. crash i mean I, I'm, I'm you know how much i worry about public safety yeah i worry a lot about public safety and so that was the reason i felt that i could knock on the door and just kind of see who who answered i wasn't sure who was going to answer it was the middle of the day did wally congdon answer he, yeah he did and he was eating i think a bowl of salad perhaps he, he was eating some food and I said, Wally, hey, it's Travis. Um, did you know your cows have been in the road? I'm really worried about your cows. And then he explained to me how uh, youth, he, he assumes or thinks may, may crash purposely into his gates and crash into his gates for some reason to damage them. And he actually um, invited me back out to take a look at the gates, which I, I can't wait this week to, to look at his gates. Um, but he wanted me to, to go and look at the gates. So then he started telling me about how parties used to be held out near his land and that up in the valley, up in some of these draws, cannabis used to be grown, like pot farms. This is Wally Congdon, deputy county attorney of Mineral County, telling me about these pot farms that used to be out there and how much his cows like to eat cannabis. Is that good for cows? I can't be. So the tenements, he went into detail, Allie. I can't even begin to tell you. And it was a little chilly out and I was on my bike. And so he invited me into his home briefly and I, I went into his home briefly. I'm deeply concerned about the cows. So they like cannabis. Their their stomach can process it and they, they can eat napweed. And so he's very excited that there's no napweed on his land because napweed is an invasive species. Yeah. And it's not very good. So he was telling me about that. And at, in this conversation, I was talking about Lance Jasper, okay, uh, a very... Uh, a very engaged lawyer in his community. We've found out in open court how engaged he is, but um, he was making some public comments to a county commissioner meeting. And I kind of mentioned uh, Lance Jasper. And I also wanted to ask Wally about the, the suspect, the female suspect who was taken into custody before the shootout in St. Regis. Um, allegedly, I had a source that, that told me that suspect was released from jail by the sheriff's office without informing the county attorney's office. So I asked Wally and he said, yes. So that, he, that would be problematic as a matter of course. He confirmed that the breakdown of communication. And so when I buried the lead, the, the following day, the post is basically mineral counties at war with itself. And there's a law firm shaking down uh, that shaking down. I can just read the art, the title. Um, let me just do that. So the, the title of the following post, and we're going to now get into it even more, and please help me out if I okay. walk into a hole. Um, the title, Mineral County is at War with Itself, assisted by a law firm specializing in money shakedown schemes for badges across western Montana. And that's the picture I was telling you about of the quilts. Oh, yeah. The nice, I saw that. I know. It's a nice little quilts and Mineral County courthouse right there. What's actually going on in this courthouse? Well, God only knows, because... We have now <laughs> so much to talk about, um, and some of it will be written about um, next week. But let's see, where should we begin? I I truly don't know. I guess the bird's eye view. I always appreciate a bird's eye view perspective of what's going on, and 
to that, I would say to answer my own question. Yes, please, because I I can't bird's eye the mandamus. That's more of a legal mind like yours. Really, it's Mineral County was found wanting last October, told that you have to come into compliance with the basic rule of law. We have a podcast in January about this very issue that goes more in depth into that. Highly recommend listening to that. So bird's eye view. And, and that means stuff like like a, a sheriff deputy should be certified by post. Right. They should have full personnel files. Yep. They should investigate crimes. Yep. They should try to not themselves commit crimes. Disclose Brady violations. Disclo- and, and please explain Brady violations because so, that's become a huge part of this. Brady is where some so if an officer so like let's take for example there have been officers within the mineral county sheriff's office who have possibly committed offenses while in the line of duty they are impeachable on stand and that calls into question their integrity okay and so that information should be made available to all defendants so that they ha- they have a right to due process. They have a right to fair trial. So if that information was withheld or not disclosed, that's a problem. And so we they're doing an inventory or they have done or are doing an inventory of all, all cases where there may have been um, Brady issues involved. Right. Um, due process, pretty good. Uh, this hearing started in October. Like you, yes. I mean, the process started in October, and this was before uh, an election. It was a week or two before election day. Yeah, and so um, Sheriff Ryan Funk now is the sheriff, but um, the office of the sheriff is what is under this mandamus review, mandamus process. Ryan Funk has since gotten individual counsel. There is a, I mean, the county attorney is supposed to represent the sheriff's office in, in some way legally. Is that accurate to say? Yes. And so that's, that's been a matter of contention, right? So there, the question has been, does the county attorney represent both the county attorney's office and the sheriff's office or, and the reason that Sheriff Funk retained private counsel was because both offices are named. And so does uh, Sheriff Funk have the right to private legal counsel Yes, I would say so. He he clearly retained them, and they're representing him. Yeah, and so and Lance Jasper has the right to make public comment. Um, I have the right to say that I think his comments at the county commissioner meeting were disgusting and vile in in regards to. Um, what he is trying to do to politicize the what, shooting. So what I'm, were the comments that? Yeah, I'm gonna get into. I'm gonna get into that. And so, um, at the at the post, you can see a uh, you can see a link to to the video in which Lance Jasper makes uh, comments to the county commissioners. And so that's at the hour set at the hour seven minute mark and twenty second. So one hour seven minutes twenty seconds. You can go and see for yourself. And he he expresses his his. Shame and, and and dismay that um, there hasn't been m- been more done to celebrate and acknowledge both I think law enforcement and the civilians who have acted heroically on the day of the shootout. 
So there was a community debrief and there's some questions about who knew about this community debrief. So right there, um, just a few days after the shootout, you have some questions about, is this being politicized? Is there a rift that is being widened because of a lack of communication? And we're finding out, yes, 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 yes. And so to have Lance Jasper as a lawyer involved in litigation that's going to impact the county commissioners ultimately, even though um, their holding of the purse strings is going to be important in how this all gets paid for, but they are not direct defendants in this process. But you have Lance Jasper going and saying, shame on you for not doing more. He even references Missoula for for what we do to celebrate law enforcement. Right. Which... um, I guess maybe giving them $4 million in parity paying through litigation by Lance Jasper's law firm. Huh? And so it's, it's just, it's, it's a bit, um, I, I just, I find it disgusting because Lance Jasper is a witness to what happened himself. So might be going through some, some trauma. And one of the things that we are finding out in court is that he is willing Um, if he's such a big supporter of law enforcement, why does he not let them do their job when there is a potential DUI um, being someone that's being pulled over? One of the things that's come up in court is that Lance finds it appropriate to interject himself as a uh, Mineral County deputy is trying to do his job. But if Lance sees that the guy being pulled over is his client, well, maybe he wants to to assert his influence in in a situation. So I, I have a lot of questions right now about what Lance Jasper is doing um, across Western Montana with his law firm to shake down different counties in different ways. So to untangle this a bit. Yeah, because I'm kind of getting a little rambled there. So there's the writ of mandamus thing, which is bringing Mineral County and Mineral County Sheriff's Office into compliance with basic personnel files and just like, you know, minimum requirements to operate an office. So, so there's that going on. And then what you're referring to is there was a recent shootout in St. Regis. Um, unfortunately, Lance and I believe his son were there and thankfully safe from that, as were most community members. And although shaken and traumatized by that obviously traumatizing experience. And so there's been all of these things are happening simultaneously. The writ of mandamus hearings continue and have been ongoing since October. So that's been several months of an open wound kind of not being healed. Uh, and and really not a whole lot of compliance to show for it, let's be honest, uh, with both the county attorney's office. Sounds like the sheriff's office is coming more into compliance now. Then your overarching concerns, um, you know, about the firm bringing suit against Mineral County is that this is not their first rodeo in in bringing suits against counties and and all of that. And so you have some questions about their motivations in doing so. Is that yes? Thank you for kind of slowing down the <clears throat> the ramble train that um, that is my mouth at this at this point. Um, there are big questions because of the role of the law firm in the parity pay issue that costs Missoula County $4 million. There is also the issue with that public law 280. um, And public law 280 is essentially Lake County seeking more money from the state because of questions on the cost of 
dealing with criminal justice issues in the reservation. And so that's a pretty complicated issue. But again, you see the same law firm. And one of the challenges with the mandamus hearings going back to October is that there was a pretty contentious sheriff's race. And so you had that play out under the umbrella of this mandamus hearing. You've had um, Lance acting, Lance Jasper seemingly from the perspective of others acting in a manner that seems to almost be ambushing um, people like Deb Jackson, the county attorney of Mineral County in, in this most recent hearing. Um, and for people to uh, kind of understand the complexity here, with, even within this mandamus, this, this sort of umbrella writ of mandamus hearing, what we saw on Friday was a subsection of yes. it, which <laughs> is this like retaliation it's branch. It's retaliation hearing. And it was truly some of the most like bizarre th- stuff I have ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen anything like it. it and you actually have a frame of reference that that includes years working yeah. like in different capacities in the legal field. Yes. And it's it's interesting. So I believe Mr. Jasper was concerned about retaliation and that's that was supposed to be to my understanding that was the sole purpose of the hearing on Friday. Yeah. Other issues within the writ of mandamus got conflated within that hearing in my opinion. I think it ended up becoming about compliance issues in addition to just the narrowly tailored retaliation issues. So his argument was that people within the Mineral County Attorney's office had called him a liar, had called him a criminal, had called Sheriff Funk a Brady sheriff in certain disparaging language that's just frankly not professional or appropriate. Right. Um, and so making in and that that was done in retaliation for Mr. Jasper and his firm bringing suit against the county to bring them in compliance. Claims that that um, he will be disbarred, that he'll lose his house and his law right. firm. It was, it was just, it was something to watch. And we began the day watching in Mineral County because yeah. um, Deborah Jackson and Wally Congdon were were in the Mineral County courthouse, as were several members of the community, watching this. And of course, technology provides a challenge. It's hard for for um, especially older people. I think sometimes that, that maybe is a bit unfair to put age onto that, but. The technology is is frustrating. Um, we spent the second part of the day in Missoula watching the claims. <laughs> I mean, so you, you have these claims back and forth, and it's really hard for me not to feel like this is like toddler level, like dealing with like a kindergarten like dispute. It's worse. It's way worse. Well, the impacts and consequences are are pretty significant, but. Um, can we talk about the, the 200 pounds of pot now? Yeah, I guess, because I don't know what you were thinking at the time that that testimony came forward, but I was just sort of paying attention and, you know, listening. I believe Sheriff Funk was on stand. So we're, we're going to talk about this in a, in a kind of limited way, um, because weed is a part of other cases going on. Um, and we're not going to get into the details of everything, but, to hear a sheriff discuss, and I, I don't think he was the sheriff at the time, but to hear a sheriff talk about the 200 pounds of marijuana that were found on the side of the interstate. So okay. remember that Missoulian, I believe it was, was a Missoulian article, article mm-hmm. January of 2022. Perhaps maybe I'm getting the date wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it was very early on last year. And I remember looking at that thinking, what in the world? Why would be, 
Maybe it wasn't that early. I don't know. You should pull up that article. Um, okay. A large bag of marijuana found on I-90 in Mineral County. So we have March 21st, 2022. March 21st. Okay. And there is a nice picture of all that weed. Look at all that weed. Okay. Um, and this is actually going to be important because there's a question that came up about whether or not this was hemp and the hemp right. doesn't have psychoactive properties or if it was cannabis. Okay. So let's read the article. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go ahead and just read it. Just read it. A large bag of marijuana ding, 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 found on the side of I-90 was turned over to Mineral County Law Enforcement on Friday evening. A good Samaritan called it in on Friday night around 11 p.m. Mineral County Sheriff Mike Toth said, oh, Mikey, he estimates the bag weighs about 200 pounds. The bag had no markings and was lying on the side of the freeway torn open near the Henderson exit when the individual found it. Toth said if no one claims it in the next week, it will be destroyed. Its contents tested Positive for THC. Good Lord. If it isn't illegal to transport marijuana within state boundaries, if it isn't, I'm sorry, it isn't illegal to transport marijuana within state boundaries, but if taken across the border, its owners could face federal drug trafficking charges. Okay. Right. So, so before I get into this, this article could have been referenced by Sheriff Ryan Funk. Yes. Okay. To, to, to prove that the marijuana was marijuana and but not But Sheriff hemp. Funk had to lay it on. Well, no, no, no. But instead, it was the reactions of the geese that he used as evidence. But you have to explain what you are talking about. I know, because people are listening right now, and they're like, what is he talking no, about? No, I mean, so, so in fairness, like, time out for one second. We're sitting there in court. It's a rather dry hearing, if I can say that. Am I correct yeah. in that assessment to that point? I was it, falling asleep at several points. For sure. I, yeah, I think I jabbed you awake a few times. Yes. But what, what was interesting is like, I was so side clocked by this testimony that we're about to discuss that it just, it truly came seemingly out of nowhere. Clearly council had it in their pocket the whole time, but I had no idea what was coming. So when Sheriff Funk starts saying, and this is to implicate, you know, you know, Mr. Congdon's uh, integrity within the uh, position of deputy county attorney. Now that we have established that this marijuana was the same marijuana found on the side of I-90, we can say that in open court, Ryan Funk made the claim that that Sheriff or that um, deputy county attorney Wally Congdon, after being told, no, Wally, don't do it. Had a maintenance guy help load his personal truck with the cannabis. Wally then, apparently, according to Sheriff Funk, took the cannabis to his cows and fed the weed to the cows. The, the cows that already looked like hippie cows. Yeah. And you know why this, how this testimony came about? The question that Lance Jasper asked, I believe, was why didn't Wally have a key fob? Oh, that's why Remember? they took. That's why they took that's, his key. His yeah, key fab because away. yeah, like because he you know originally had access to the evidence locker, all of that stuff, and so that's how this testimony came in. Oh my! Because Lord. because right. it was citing an incident in which there was he was not authorized to take evidence, which I think that should be pretty standard and obvious that you shouldn't take evidence from an evidence locker no matter who you are 200 probably, pounds of marijuana unless it's taken like properly disposed in a personal truck by a deputy county attorney to feed to cows 
But the problem was, and then he but a the, week. Tell me, yes. Tell a, me about the problem. A week now. <laughs> later, he he received the letter that authorized him to do so. So he takes it from the evidence locker, feeds it to his cows, and apparently the geese. Because what did Ryan say about the geese? So Ryan made a point to say, Wally, you know, um, if you really believed it was hemp, then why did you tell me that the geese freaked out? He he he. The geese is what out. is is what so, so Ryan that was retelling evidence, that was the evidence, story that was evidence of, is, of Wally should have had should have known yeah. it was weed because he himself was telling Ryan the geese were freaking out after he fed it to the cows because apparently he, the he, geese he. got into it too so I didn't I didn't know geese liked weed did you know that I'm deeply disturbed on behalf of animals everywhere I have no <laughs> idea what's going on but I I'm possibly more disturbed by the fact that there wasn't an authorization form signed for over a week after it was already taken without that is consent. what that that is what <laughs> you're focusing on well i mean legally speaking that all of it concerns me you know animal what? abuse i don't Th like any of it i think the geese were probably enjoying themselves so i don't think you no, need to worry that's about not the geese. Fair. they they cannot speak <laughs> that is not fair you cannot speak on behalf I'm, of those I, geese. I am not going to try to speak. That's a toxic. On behalf of it's the geese. probably toxic to them. Regardless, so you've to say say this again. You you have never seen anything like this in court. No, and then the the insane part to me was well, Mr. Kong didn't didn't deny it. He said no, it wasn't. It was hemp, which clearly the article states it was not. But I mean, it, well, I mean it's. Okay, so you might know more about this, but that it, it comes from the hemp plant or something, and there's a specific strain. Well, yeah, you know, even like back in the day in high school, when you're reading like this like big book on the the history of prohibition and stuff, you you know, back in the day, one of the talking points of wanting to to legalize or at least um, decriminalize uh, marijuana. Or, or just, just the hemp part is that hemp is something that's been used in history in all these versatile ways. But, um, yes, I mean, a lot of people know that hemp is not cannabis and cannabis isn't hemp. They're, they're different things. But I guess it's not the point. I guess the point is no, taking something from an evidence locker it's, and feeding it to your cows. It's so I guess extreme. Like, that's, that's the thing that's absurd. So now you understand. That's why he doesn't have a key. The sigh, the, the Judge Vanetta sigh, which... <laughs> I, I the love fact you gave me a judgment as I, I mean, <laughs> you should feel honored. I, I do sometimes support the giving of um, catnip to, to cats, but yeah, might not be the same thing. It is really, it, it's hard to process. I mean, it's, it's still kind of like, I, I'm still in the process of processing. Well, no one believes it. No one believes it because even hearing it in open court live it makes you question your own reality because this is so absurd. Like this is so beyond the pale of absurd that no one, no reasonable person would expect a representative of a County that they reside in to actually engage in this behavior. It's, it's insane. It, it is. And it makes you wonder about other cases and other claims um, and Wally, <laughs> you said a lot of things to a lot of people. So, um, people that are apparently a little bit more cognitively adept than, than this particular deputy county attorney, because there are some, there are some things happening to echo what judge Vanetta said, you guys are elected officials. 
You were elected for this position. Well, he was appointed, wasn't he? He technically was appointed. But still, it's an elected position. Yes. I mean, point taken. And, point and taken. still, it's, and you have the public's trust. It's extremely hard. But, you know, I have to, I can't just be hard on the people of Mineral County or the representatives. Because I have to say, it would be extremely challenging to be in a county of only 4,000 people. You all probably feel extraordinarily isolated. No one to talk to. Everybody knows everyone's business. There's no ability to process things. And you all you sleep with like knives at your side because you don't know who's going to stab you. Well, at, at the very least, um, Mineral County can feel like it, their water, the water that flows by them, is hopefully got a little bit less meth debris thanks to our efforts, oh. which, which is what I'm trying to transition to now. Okay. So that I can no longer think about There's a river cows. that runs through it. There, there is a river that runs through it. Are the cows drinking from that river? You know. Wait a minute. Are those like, but is, is, here's, is the here's, marijuana floating down the river that the cows didn't eat? Like what? No. Okay. The, the cows um, are not close to the river, at least Wally's cows. But it is a bit frustrating since Wally also has claimed to be such an expert on water movement and the water mm. that goes by his family's land in Superior. So... Unfortunately, even though we're going to be discussing rivers and the health of rivers, Wally won't be that far behind. He'll be like a shadow in my mind. I'm going to try and keep him away from, from that. Okay. I might be losing it a little bit. So um, the the court process is sort of like esoteric. It's it's cerebral, right? It's 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 words. It's in your head. It's, it's all that. Um, cleaning up a meth den, that's tangible in a material, physical, you're sweating and you're trying not to breathe too deeply yeah, because of the particulate matter that might be um, all forms of toxic toxicity. Try not to get poked by needles. and. So normally on a Saturday, I don't, I don't put out a post. I do try and, and take one day off and getting things out there. But Saturday was Earth Day, April yes. 22nd. And I wanted to give a, a sort of peek about how I get shit done. And so the title of the post is, This is How I Get Shit Done on Earth Day. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, getting shit done is important. And it's interesting because there's a picture here of what we cleaned up. That image right now that you're looking at, that's gone. That's history. That's in the past. This is... There's so much to get into. I don't even know if I want to get into all of it quite yet. This is go there's going to be a full report, and um, I'm actually going to have to work on the video after we conclude this this podcast episode. All of the footage, it's so amazing. The creepy doll. Okay, oh, there's the um. Psycho that thing went away, didn't it? It's yeah. I didn't. I I told you I wasn't going to keep it. I just took pictures of it. I'm going to verify that that thing is gone. It's rainbow if colored and amazing. Okay. There was the picture of Michael Myers, the psycho killer. And I don't think I saw that one. That was You put that in the trash oh, yourself. Oh, yes. Yeah, you I wanted did. to dispose of that. Yeah. I don't know what the weight tonnage will be, um, but it was one of the most interesting um, last couple days, having this being like the, the major focus because I've met a few new people. Um, some of those people, the common thread in what we were experiencing was anger towards the situation, anger towards the situation. I've talked to a lot of law enforcement, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. And part of what I was talking to them about was the simmering vigilantism that is about to break open. One of the guys that we met on Saturday, 
he came down and he's, he told us that he was about to just smoke a bowl and come and harass whoever was down there. Like he, that's what he told us. That sounds pretty dangerous. He really wanted because he, he'd been seen like, and this, this guy, I think he was from Bozeman. He wasn't from Missoula. Oh, that's um, even weirder. I mentioned the AC hotel guy. I won't say his name, but um, he's like that guy ruined Bozeman, the hotel guy. But, but he, he was seeing this just nasty thing and he was going to come down. And if anyone was down there, he was going to harass him. Gosh. Instead, he found us and we put him to work. <laughs> well, that's good. It, it was, no, it was really good. Another guy who was a river guide um, came by and he was one of the late. So that was Gonzo. He was one of the late sort of like energy, like getting the energy going Boost. so that we could do the, yeah. the final push. One of the fascinating things, he actually put a picture on his Instagram and he got some negative feedback. From people saying, how dare you, you know, take take someone's house. Now, in fairness, this was an abandoned campsite. Yes. So I think that's important for people to understand. It's not like that guy from Bozeman who wanted a confrontation <laughs> with a person actually living there. Right. The site had been abandoned, you said, since the winter time, right? And yeah, since the winter time. And we did find out, um, we did find out from someone who the camp belonged to. And so uh, this is Todd Handy Todd Todd's handy work. So Todd is someone I'm going to be using as an anecdotal example um, because kind of like the million dollar Murray in Las Vegas, you can actually take sometimes um, an anecdotal example of what a person costs the system. Oh, and this, this might be our, our, our million dollar Murray, but um, it was, it was really interesting to just kind of see the perspective that different people were bringing to this effort to remove trash because it just needed to get done. We may have done more than what we should have with the the gear that we actually had, but um, it, it got taken care of. One of the funny things, oh, that's right, that, that's what I was going to say. When I was talking to the three Missoula County Sheriff deputies in the good food store, um, obviously I talk pretty loud, and there's a few other people sitting around. So were people listening? Probably. Uh, one woman, when I was walking away, she's like, do you mean this? site and on her phone she had the instagram picture that uh, gonzo had put on his instagram and i confirmed it's yes, a site to behold that's exactly what i was talking about so it was it was it's really no interesting. longer there though nope that's just better take a picture because it's yeah not only is it no longer there but uh my little girl got to play around on the tree limbs as they were exposed so in their sweet. natural environment and it was very nice yeah I found out that WGM did their cleanup on Thursday, so they weren't able to, to be present. Um, there was another person, though, that's going to hopefully get me in touch with people involved in the trash disposal business. And yes. so the $900 that I fronted for the dumpster, I'm, that's a lot. I'm pretty confident it will be covered. It is, it is just so interesting to see what this one person had, like, was able to generate and then what it took to sort of remove it. And it's going to be an educational opportunity as I kind of frame this. Preventative work is really important. you got to find a way to not just point fingers and say, not my jurisdiction, not my problem. Right. There's got to be something else because as the river guide like talked about, this is his livelihood. Yeah, it's a serious problem for the river. And he was thinking and, and communicating with his friends, imagine this stuff going down Brendan's wave. Yeah. I mean, this is not it's that far downstream. It's extremely dangerous. Yep. And the trash, I, I believe some of the trash that was taken was probably taken from some of the, like the Missoula College, if they're not securing their trash, maybe even Montech, because it's like technical stuff, um, science-based materials. From what I saw, this guy was cooking meth. That's another aspect of, of what, yeah. uh, what this appeared to be. Um, lots of pictures I, I took of different chemicals. Um, 
pretty alarming stuff that this was yeah. right on the riverbank at a, at a time when I, I would imagine in three or four weeks with warmer weather, I'm going to go back out there. I'm going to show you where that water is going to be coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we hadn't done this, I guarantee you this stuff would be in the river. So very fascinating. Part of this post on Saturday I wanted to bring attention to was the fact that the Clark Fork River is now considered in this top 10 list, but they're not talking about homeless camps. They're only talking about right. Smurfit Stone. So an opportunity, though, to expand the conversation. Okay, we are I think getting close to kind of wrapping things up. <laughs> you know, oh man. We can review part 1. Part 1. The reason why I'm I'm just wondering if I have the energy is because I see the picture of Ellen Buchanan and the freak out article that she wrote. She didn't write it. She, she didn't write it. She didn't write it. She, she was, was quoted in it. She was quoted. Who who did write it? Let's let's take a look. Is it David Erickson? Oh, David Erickson on 420. Missoula officials lash out at proposed bill that would revise TIF laws. I almost want to just include my version that I there was a ukulele version that <laughs> of of performing this article that is right now I need to figure out how to not the levels are a little max. I get I get kind of loud. But this article is really amazing. Uh, scary, frightening. Those adjectives were used in one point five times in like a, one paragraph. Yeah. They were so scared of SB 523. Very scared. The threat of SB 523. The, the threat, which is now no longer a threat, has been tabled. It has been tabled. The blast was not taken up. So no blast is going to push it, push it onto the floor. Do you think it was biting off more than it could chew? Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, it's it, part of the strategy, at least with the last round of testimony, was to not identify ourselves as from Missoula. There was a really weird moment where um, one of the one of the members of the committee wanted us to start identifying the city and not just the state that we're from, and that was something that was pushed back by one of his one of his other members. They said that's not something we've ever asked before. So to see some some of this weirdness just even within the committee because this was felt to be a Missoula specific problem. See, people in the state legislature not a fan of Missoula. And I know that and I've understood that and I've heard that for a long time. So I think I'm going to take my TIF train to other parts of the state at some point as I want to understand Great Falls and Billings and Bozeman. Some of the examples I heard seemed Pretty in line with what we're seeing in Missoula, which is not blight-specific, you know, forms of incentivizing development that might actually benefit the communities. Yes. It's, it it's, will be another two years before there's another bite at that apple. There, yeah, it will. Um, I wonder, do you think Ellen will be in her position in another two years? Maybe. Or she will have appointed a successor who will be there indefinitely. Well, in any case, I personally don't appreciate being referred to as a criminal, and I'm going to read a little bit of this article as we wrap this up to give you a sense of what these people are trying to do to their critics. Okay. A group of Missoula Redevelopment Agency staff members and board members lashed out on Thursday at a bill that they said would, quote, destroy tax increment financing in Montana, saying that there's been a criminal, quote, criminal amount of disinformation spread about TIF. During a regularly scheduled board meeting, MRA Director Ellen Buchanan didn't hold back in criticizing Senate 
Bill 523 and its sponsor, Senator, Senator Greg Hertz. Quote, the, old, the one that absolutely just destroys tax increment financing in the state of Montana is a Senate bill sponsored by Senate Hertz, and it just puts us out of business, Buchanan said. There's no way to amend it that makes it functional or even just less efficient. It just destroys tax increment financing. <laughs> right. Oh, and then I got to read this part because this is the part where um, they both call the legislators too stupid to understand what's going on and then um, express their own fear. So Buchanan said it's a complicated, elaborate bill, and she doesn't think many lawmakers will be able to fully have time to figure out what exactly it would do. She believes it has a chance to become law simply because lawmakers don't know its full ramifications. It's pretty scary, Buchanan said. It's frightening for staff. It's frightening for me. And it's frightening for city administration. So not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's been a tough couple weeks around here. She said tax increment financing is one of the only tools that cities and towns have in the state to incentivize the construction of housing for people with moderate incomes. This is just a tragic state of affairs, said board member Tasha Jones. You watch what's going on in Helena, and it's just terrifying, Buchanan said. It's just a microcosm for what went on in D.C. I think that's a January 6th reference, but I could be wrong. I, I didn't read it as such when I, I mean, I, I'm probably wrong, honestly. I didn't know what she was specifically talking about, so it may be. She's talking about being afraid. And scared. She is. And frightened. And terrified. Did I miss an adjective? I, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah. I do have one, because I think it's fair to take a little bit of the other side's perspective for one second and just... I, you know that I always encourage that, at least when it's coming from you. Yeah, I appreciate that. But there was a, a comment, and I think this was written about somewhere, but I believe, it, did Gwen Jones make a comment about TIF not being directly tied to the property tax issue? I don't think so. Not that I recall, but... That's something that I absorbed somewhere along the way. And maybe it was previous. I don't remember. But I do think that was... there. There is some validity to that point, because I think, from my perspective way 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 back in the day years ago i mean years ago when tiff started becoming like more prominent in the public conversation i kept wondering why are people so concerned about this why is this such like a life and death issue to people and i realized at some point that um people were concerned about people being taxed out of their homes and not able to afford people who've lived here their entire lives are not able to afford the property taxes anymore and stuff. So, so that's a serious issue. One point that somewhere along the line, I believe Gwen Jones has made, it's not necessarily directly tied to property taxes in the way that people think it is. I mean, it has an impact on property taxes, but it doesn't exclusively. In other words, that there are other, means of taking care of that issue too. So all I'm saying that really has nothing to do with anything other than the fact whether this bill died or not, there are still options available to address the property tax issue specifically. Isn't that just the state giving them more money or more tools like gas tax or sales tax or tourist tax or it, it 
it all gets very i mean no no one's going going to at the end of the day fully understand tax policy and the things that are making their their taxes go up because there right. there is just like the jurisdictions that can point fingers when it comes to the meth den you know there there's a duff, uh, there's enough different areas that you can deflect or or sort of distract attention and so if that keeps happening, then the meth dens are just going to keep on being in, in existence and there's going to be no change. But if um, if Ellen now wants to be going into workforce housing and they want to build and control housing, then that's what ultimately is going to is going to happen because the state um, wants to think that this is just Missoula's problem. They're 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 wanting to wipe their hands like, no, nope, not our not our issue. Um, deal with it, Missoula. And so we will. We will do what we can. Um you know, I, I know I know the riches like to be served by the poors when it comes to coffee and stuff like that. And maybe everyone will just go to Bozeman and hang out and Missoula will just descend further into a meth dystopia. But I, I do think enough citizens are getting more active yeah. and engaged that they're not going to let that happen. And so the cleanup in the last two days has been a great example of different people coming from yeah. different areas wanting to assist. I mean, there was even someone helping out um, that like understood services from a very having just gone through and you know to the point where when a community member came in made a joke like hey why are you taking my house down ha 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 was trying to just make a joke but didn't realize that like there was someone there that actually you know had gone through services at one of the local shelters yeah you never you never know who who you might be talking to but um it is going to be interesting to see how things play out now that, that the tool hasn't been taken away, this is one less thing they have to complain about. So you get to keep your tool, Ellen. So keep building, keep hammering away, you know, um, and we're going to keep deconstructing meth dens as they pop up. Yeah. So their and tiff it- versus my tiff, we're going to see what, what tiff wins out in the end. Okay. My, my tiff doesn't have $35 million in it. Yeah. Um, it has about 750 And so I do really, really appreciate all four donors. You could be the fifth donor. You could be the sixth or seventh donor. Um, you can go to GoFundMe and check out Travis's Impact Fund. You can check out ZoomCron.com. So Monday through Friday, 7 a.m., you get an article. That's for free. This podcast, free. Patreon, maybe at some point. Subscriber, we'll see. You've had more than four donors. No, it's it's four donors. Oh, you mean for the TIFF? For the TIFF. Oh, Okay. For the TIFF, no. Um, th- there's the donation button the, at the About page. There's been um, people that have given me some direct checks and some cash, okay. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do I have to report that to Uncle Sam? I don't know. But it's, no, we, we got a lot of um, support. And even, yeah, what even I'm saying is you, you have received support. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm getting all kinds of support. Yeah. No, it's 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 very good. And meeting new people and getting a sense of what the network can actually be as a constructive way of moving forward. The the River Guide folks do different cleanups, and they even mentioned having worked with the ATV group in the past. And the ATV group, they love getting on the four wheelers with the little trailers behind and and helping us get trash from remote areas. So I've worked with them in the past. The um, Kevin's group had a cleanup on Friday, and so. Um, from what I hear, I haven't had a chance to talk to him too much about it, but it was almost more of a celebration that yeah. things looked so well that there wasn't in the, in the past year, there wasn't this, uh, resorting to a heavily trafficked area where trash has piled up because, uh, reserve street, um, for those that aren't aware, 
tens of tons of trash have been removed. Yeah. And so that was a monumental effort. I think really Earth Day and all of the activity along the river has been a pretty positive thing for people that are getting involved. So That's great. I know. It is nice. The weather is turning. We actually appear to have spring in Montana. We'll see how long that holds. Yeah. We may have to report next week in the Week in Review snow. I hope that's not true. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Okay. So we should wrap it up. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week to continue reporting on the week's events locally. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is willskink. That's not my actual name. It's sort of my artist name. But that's willskink, W-I-L-L-S-K-I-N-K at yahoo.com. Check out the blog. Drop us a line. Stay tuned. Anything else to add? I think that's it. Thank you so much. Okay. Until next week. Okay. Well, this is the part where I try and come up with a song. I had a song recorded a few days ago, but the levels were a little too hot. So I'm going to try and, and keep it within the levels. You know what I mean? You got to keep it within the levels. You got you to gotta fight by the rules. And well... It's time to say you won, oh Ellen. It's like a River City Roots Festival. You can you can have your fun, Ellen. I know it was scary and frightening and terrifying. You and Tasha and the rest of the board. I wonder how much extra you had to drink. Because you had to think About this distinct reality The tiff-tiff might go away Sniff-sniff Tiff-tiff All your tax increment Financing too You like to think that The locals are fools But you got everyone to think It was just the Missoula show Yeah, well, of course I did make a documentary called Angus Missoula. So there was a show. There was something for people to know locally. We wanted to take that show. We wanted to go across the state. Oh, Ellen, what's happening in Bozeman and Billings and Great Falls? Is that where we're all headed? A Great Fall? No, oh, Ellen. You got your urban renewal districts, you got your ability to siphon off the tax increment, skim and give it to your friends. Oh, you got the ability, you're not going to lose anything. It went away, Ellen. It got tabled. There's no blast that's going to frighten you anymore. No blast, it's not going to make it to the floor. Ellen, it's okay. Do you feel the weather warming? Do you, do you see the people floating down the river? There's one less shanty shack meth den, and it's clear. It's clear whose tiff is efficient. It's clear whose tiff you really fear. Until next time.
Because you know, the fight does go on. Stay tuned next week for ZoomCron Week in Review. I've been your host, Travis Williams King-Mateer. Thank you so much for all the support.